to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story, it's a little confusing. The top story is that eight people were killed in a shooting at a FedEx facility last night in Indianapolis. What's confusing about it is it isn't getting the same, quite the same amount of high pitched every story headline that the previous couple, the thing in Colorado, the one in Atlanta were getting. And I kind of feel like it goes to something I read in the report from Iron Mountain, which is in order to get people to change their view on a policy, they run computer models on how many people have to die or how many events or how long do they have to hear about it. So I feel like sometimes when these things go underreported, they are uh, they're that's happening just to show you uh, that it's maybe it's so common that we don't even have to talk about it anymore or just this underlying white noise buzz in the back of your head where you're just like, finally, enough already. I do think we're going to see a little twist on this one. I think the identity of the shooter might feed into something else I'm seeing emerge. But what were your what's your gut, Binkley, on the I noticed that, too. There didn't seem to be as much weight given to (laughs) this story as the one in the the grocery store a few weeks ago. And in lieu of that, there seemed to be more focused. Like the top story on NPR was not that shooting. It was the video that came out of the 13-year-old who police shot. Police say they thought he had a gun, thought he was going for a gun. The video, at least according to the stories, say that he did not have a gun. It just looked like he did. I haven't seen the video yet. But to me, this is an example of this narrative warfare strategy that we're seeing where only the stories that fit the narr- the current narrative, the themes of the narrative being pushed are the ones that are going to get focused on with the most attention and most outrage. And that story with a 13-year-old is fits into the black versus blue, the riots going on right now. It fuels that fire. While this other one, the eight people shot, that's a very tragic thing, does not fit that same narrative. I wonder if the eight people shot thing is going to feed a different narrative, a narrative that I already had listed as something I wanted to talk about today before I even connected it with the FedEx thing. But when I was reading the FedEx uh, story that said it was a 20 year old male and one of the witnesses said he was saying something I couldn't understand. Then I thought, wow, maybe this fits into my second story. And my second story was off the front page of the Wall Street Journal. It was about how there's a new Islamic state called ISCAP, Central African Province, where Muslims are attacking Christian countries in Central Africa. Now, remember, Gaddafi said, I, or I, I don't know if he said it directly, but the idea was he was keeping the Africans in Africa and out of Europe. Like, that was his deal. I, I read that about that in a book called Weapons of Mass Migration. And he also said he was keeping radical Islam out of North Africa and out of bleeding up. And as soon as they took him out, you know, all in the name of anti-terrorism, of course, the terrorists spread like wildfire. But I noticed this theme 
about Muslims. And when they say like Muslims are attacking Christian countries, they're trying to get a middle America or the neoconservative bent in America behind wars over there. And I, I feel like that is what's happening. And I noticed that there was other like Muslim stuff going on that for whatever reason, I don't know, the Council for Arab or American Islamic Relations took credit for organizing some of these recent protests in Minneapolis, the anti-vax statement made by or speech made by some of those Nation of Islam guys, a Nation of Islam guy was uh, the guy who ran over the cop in the Capitol. There was a Syrian shooter in Colorado. I mean, I assume that guy was Muslim, although not all Syrians are Muslim. So uh, and then in this, uh, what I want to talk about in a little bit, that SPARS document, that Johns Hopkins pandemic from 2025 document, it identifies like a, a significant future subgroup as Muslims and they put them in a in the like basket of dysfunctionals. It's very interesting, like how I think maybe they they're promoting this despised minority status to help some operations they plan to execute here maybe maybe merge domestic terrorism with yeah i was wondering how the domestic terrorism angle could work yeah into because that. that's that's your original terrorists those are the ones where you say well you don't have to give them uh the bill of rights you don't have to declare war because they're they're terrorists yeah and we have rules for terrorists because there were terrorists when the constitution was and Pirates when the Constitution was established, but anyway, so they. I think that there's there's something about that, and I wonder if the FedEx shooter is going to be end up being a Muslim. Yeah, I think there's a possibility that in a few weeks, when the themes of the narrative shifts back over this way, I think we could find out more information about the shooter that is similar to what you're saying. And I wonder if we're planning some some kind of action in Africa. Because China basically owns Africa at this point. They just, they, it's like neocolonialism over there. And if we want to interfere with that, we have to have an excuse if we're going to do it with boots on the ground. When you have a rising economic power, the declining economic power is usually a stronger military force. So they want to convert an economic battle into a military battle. I mean, that's one theory anyway. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're just trying to excuse getting into Africa with the Muslim thing. I, I wonder what side of the vaccine argument that the Muslims or the Christians in Central Africa are on. I wonder if there's any any bit of this narrative injected into what's going on over there. What which narrative? The vaccine stuff, because Christians over here are the anti-vaxxers. QAnon Christians are the ones that are slowing up the vaccine effort. I wonder if there's any of that going on uh, I, over there in Central Africa. I don't know. I know a couple of African leaders, both of whom were dead, are dead now, if I understand correctly, yeah. were against the resisted the narrative, the COVID narrative resisted the The Tanzania president. There was another one, too. Yeah, 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 for sure. Hem. Wow, that was crazy. But I remember reading like how 800 boys were kidnapped or they had a school that was infiltrated by Boko Haram. And I'm like, oh, there are 800 boys at a at a boarding school and in COVID times. And the answer was some crazy thing, like because they have more resistance. I don't know what the story was, but they weren't really buying into the COVID stuff on those like little anecdotal examples I have. So I don't know. I mean, I just don't know. 
Yeah, that kind of stuff is interesting to me because if those two opposing groups actually fall on the same side when it comes to like being vaccine hesitant, if they were over here, then the media would unite them together through the media's opposition to them. But over there, black Africans and um, black Muslims, I assume. And that is I mean, that is the nation of Islam over here. It's not the same. Like yeah. when Malcolm X went over to Mecca, he was like, oh, <laughs> this isn't I totally different. misunderstood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. So and then, of course, he got killed. But which the person or people who were convicted were nation of Islam. But whatever. I think we covered that recently. So, OK, I read an article. It was a very short article in The Wall Street Journal, but I think it's significant and it plays into the the movements they're making and how they're going to restructure policing. And I think that they will definitely plug in mental health issues to this. But there was the article was Capitol Police needed to be better armed for the riot on January 6th. The watchdog says the inspector general cites poor prep, inadequate intelligence for failure to control mob that stormed the legislature. But then it goes on to it, it says we should have had uh, that a police leader's decision to make to not make more powerful weapons available could have hampered the response to the general deadly January 6th attack. Now it goes on to say five people died that day. One was law enforcement and the other were the protesters. The law enforcement guy was that Brian Sickwick, who they said was hit with a fire extinguisher. I'm not even sure that's true. No, it's not true. That's been been completely disproven or uh, and, debunked and, yes and he died what of it a was like attack? bear spray or something like that that they say he was hit with and then he died of something else right yeah later that day attack. or the next day something like that okay so uh, i would like to understand why increasing deadly force would have helped that situation and actually it says so a couple of and and another lawmaker said that butterfield a Democrat from North Carolina. Said, Butterfield. So the guy's name is or female's name is Butterfield. Rep GK Butterfield. Yeah, I'm so glad. Name. I'm so glad that Capitol Police did not use lethal weapons. There would have been mass casualties, police and citizens alike. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But what they but I, I think so. He, I don't know if he wanted that or what. Bolton, the inspector general, Michael Bolton, what a terrible name. Now that's a terrible name. <laughs> if you ever see office space. So he, but, but they're talking about a bigger change in policing here. And he's saying that the inspector general uh, is saying that the department needs to move away from the thought process of being a traditional police department and move to a posture of a protective agency that is proactive to prevent events such as January 6th. So that's a pre-crime thing. That is a, a, a pre-crime thing. And then uh, when it talks about how so like to prevent it, intel, that means surveillance. That means intervening in people's lives. That's see, that's that is what the Fourth Amendment is for. It's so they can't do that. So they can't yeah. go in and look at your stuff and keep you from exercising your First Amendment rights for starters. Yeah. And so and I also think that the way they're talking about changing the outlook of the police. So there's like the de-escalation force, there's traditional police force, there's this prevention force, protection force, which is pre-crime. Again, I feel like they're moving towards where you'll have your de-escalation people and then you'll have your escalation people. And the guy, it's almost like reverse stovepiping. 
yeah. the guy, the dispatcher who makes the call of which force to send is predetermining the outcome, the outcome. in that yeah, situation. Yeah. That there's yeah. no turning back. And I and I everything I see points me to that. And uh it's, it doesn't. It seems more like a police state every minute. Yeah, that's interesting. The data they're going to be collecting too, in order to do that pre-crime, is yep. a lot of it is going to be through social media, through pulling that stuff from their various accounts. And this is what we saw them talking about when it comes to domestic terrorism and trying to root it out of the military. Is we're going to deep dive on their social media, and that way we can stop it before it happens. They'll probably just apply the same thing to the general public, which would be a subversion of their rights. And, you know, it could be a way to it sounds like with vaccinations, they test those out on the military sometimes. I mean, it could be a way that they use their methods first on the guys who sign up and then they spread it out to the population at large. And I think that that is what that sparse document was all about. So. People, I, we've gotten this from a few different people, request to talk about the SPARS document. Alex Jones said a big thing. We talked a little bit about it with Sam Tripoli last night, which is a, a patron-only thing. So we're going to put that in the patron feed next week when we're out of town. But the SPARS document is, it was written in 2017. It was written with the same, in conjunction, it was a Johns Hopkins thing, but it was written in conjunction with the same organization that ran scenarios for the 2010 Rockefeller Foundation thing, um, Ogilvy and something or other. And it was a scenario where you have a lot of information flow, but you have few, you have like siloed people, subgroups who get all their information, all their news from one little pocket of the world and their social media is in that pocket also. And they even talk about an emerging tech called ZapQ that merges your aggregated media with your social media. But what it is, is it's a pandemic scenario. They say it's going to take place in 2025 and people were really focusing on the details of the pandemic scenario the side effects of the vaccine, supposedly, that it was going to take two years for people to even know that it developed prions in your brain and that they were going to classify as mental health. It's like really a horrible, horrible scenario that reveals how everybody, government, influencers, all that kind of stuff are recruited to send messages out that when somebody breaks ranks, how they deal with that, how they deal with conflicting messages, how they deal with disinformation, how they deal with um, uh, subcultures, emerging existing platforms. Uh, the most significant thing I thought about this was they had a scenarioed out, as they call it, a blackout in one of this thing and and the purpose of the blackout and it was just as vaccines were being rolled out was to identify ways and effectiveness of communicating propaganda when the electronics go down and i feel like that was absolutely spot on one of the things that was behind the texas blackout so so how did they do it there how did they deliver the well, I'll just say, I want to hand it off to you. I felt like this entire spars scenario thing, I mean, it was stated that it was all about testing yeah. propaganda, honing their propaganda skills under a variety of circumstances for a variety of purposes. And I feel like this whole COVID thing, one of their several points to it, but I would say a very, very major point 
is testing these theories live to see how effective propaganda is. And when you look around at how effective it was, I bet it blew their socks off. Oh, absolutely. It's definitely had a large level of impact. It's made a lot of people crazy, actually. And Edward Bernays, other propagandists, they were big advocates of these testing strategies of doing these mass simulations almost of crisis communication. I don't know if you remember, but when the pandemic first started, I I brought some stuff from some of the top crisis communicators in the country where they were talking about some uh, similar strategies as this. And when you look at the ad council which they are they call the largest coordinated public education campaign in history and this is about pushing the vaccine you see the results the lessons learned from these simulations being applied in the ad council's campaign so like here in that scenario the SAR scenario they had 19 or so i think it was 19 different maybe it's 29 different scenarios different crisis scenarios that would need a a messaging campaign to you know get them get the public to where they want them to be in those scenarios and then they had the associated they had like 30 different communication strategies to apply to each of those scenarios so they're trying to think as broad range as possible they're trying to factor in every possible outcome so that they can then have the propaganda ready to pump into people's heads if that outcome does come to fruition it's impossible to think of every outcome but they're certainly investing a lot of money trying to trying to be able to almost i don't want to say institutionalized propaganda because it's already institutionalized but just have ready-made propaganda ready to put into the pipeline when something happens it is in answer to your question earlier about the blackout it was just flyers and stuff you know that it was just and they said that what they did was they tested vaccination rates in the blackout area versus the non-blackout area to see if they were equal but as far as the you know getting ready for scenarios one of the things that they talked about and boy there were there were two things that were just like wow now i get it or even if you count the j and j thing but one was when you have an influencers say something outside the message how do you handle that elon musk you kill him elon musk came out and (laughs) said something like that they counter propagandize they just they're just talking about how to how do you do it and i feel like elon musk was the live trial of that didn't he say early on something about the vaccination he did he He questioned the vaccination yeah and then another thing it said is we have to address the inequity of elite people having the access to therapies and i remember when trump was in the hospital and he got better right away i had several people say to me who did not know each other can you he got he got better right away because he has access to things that we don't have access to and the equity theme is is ongoing but that was big and then uh, it talks extensively about incomplete information but still having a message about uh you know people viral videos that show violent reactions to the vaccine or the therapies and how to deal with that how to deal with rumors how to deal with VAERS reporting the vaccine. Yeah. You know, it's in there. V-A-E-R-S or whatever it's called. That's we've been talking about recently. It also talked about getting it also basically talked about silencing people by pointing to I can't remember the name of the vaccine fund that's in Congress. But within the document, it said people who 
would want to sue the vaccine companies right. or who were very upset about it, they were no longer upset once we pointed to the vaccine fund in Congress. So the that's payoff right. shuts them up. Yeah. And that's the thing about the the problem with the vaccine fund is a taxpayers pay it. But B, you don't get to vet the facts in court. That's what you want to do. You want to vet the facts in court. You could take one dollar. It's like when. The uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s family sued in civil court that James Earl Ray did not kill him. They won that and they got one dollar in damages. I don't know if it was against the police or against like a news. You know, dollars a lot worth a lot more back then. (laughs) There's inflation. But they didn't care about obviously they just wanted their day in court so they could have uh, other people. Like confirm. It's just this. I I think this document, I put it in the show notes for today. If you can pass that along, I think it's a real. It's a great illustration of how they workshop communication strategies to the various demographics and the various situations. And this this stuff is actually very helpful to understand the way some of this works right now, because it's not just a surface level propaganda that they point out. It is a broad strategy intended to hit people at the subconscious level so that they think things come from within them and that they're. There is no outside influence being exercised upon them when there is. And they talk about using sociologists and every other thing to try to understand this stuff. And first they scenarioed out. But I believe that this is a live drill on that. And I am. I don't know if it's in preparation for another really big thing or if it's just for them to add to their wheelhouse the way the USSR used to do yeah. psychological experiments on human beings. But this is a psychological experiment on, I don't know how many billions of people, if every single billion person has been affected yeah. by this, but it is a live trial, not just of the vaccines, of this gene therapy, but of propaganda and mind control. Oh, that, that's, I mean, that's outrageous. from, I've, I've thought from the beginning that this, the thing is the strategy of conditioning the public for something in the future to come that could be worse or that they could say is worse. I think it's probably a combination of everything that but you it said there. It doesn't even have to be that. It can just be honing their, you know, every arrow in their, their tactics quiver. they have in general that they yes, use in yes. general. Right. Yeah. Yes. A, a lot of crisis communication stuff emphasizes. And this is a lot of what Fauci did with AZT with his AIDS fear squads that Dr. Drew was a part of. And he talked about on a, a podcast that I heard a while back where it's about you scare the daylights out of people. You use that fear to scare them into this mindset that enables you to condition them to act in a way that you need them to act in a future crisis situation. And this conditioning that's happened over the past year, longer than a year now, it's taken effect to some others. It has not taken effect. And and they can really they can really determine pretty good who it's affected, who's who's taken to the training and who hasn't just by the way people are moving about, by the way people post on social media and uh, all the data they gather and track and in the process of all of this they are actually changing the world to be easier for them to do that to communicate to control the information to control the messages to to read your face to read your reactions like you know they're making the whole thing i mean we got to talk to rosa quar someday because she really turned me on to the fact that it all it all has to be made regular so it can be monitored and controlled with ease 
That's funny. I know we're not going to get into it today because I don't think we have enough time, but in this indivisible training and anti-racist stuff that I I got some access to in a little undercover uh, meeting I went to, one of the things they teach, they're going to be teaching in the upcoming one, is they're going to be teaching how to recognize racist body language. Well, actually, let's get to that as the last big story of the Free 30. You, You up for that? Yeah, I'm up for it. All right. And in the patron 15, I want to hear from you, Binkley, the first maxim of CIA deception. I'm eager to hear that. And I will tell you why I'm afraid that if they pack the Supreme Court, it might tip over. I'll tell you why Uh in the patron 15. (laughs) But in the meanwhile... I'd like to offer a big thanks to one of our favorite patrons and certainly one of our longest and best supporters. It is the proprietor of LibertyGear.net, which is LibertyGear.net. Actually, I bet you can meet this proprietor. He is one of our favorite and funnest participants in the DPP. Tonight is a disappearing patron party for friends of the show and patron saints. He's a big part of that. He's actually set up the Discord um, after party for us. So I think you know who I'm talking about. But let's support him at LibertyGear.net. It's an online store filled with masks, shirts, posters, protest gear, such as the Obey, PSYOP, and Flatten the Lies masks. And I know he has lots, lots more stuff that he's already made, but he also will make things that are custom for you. I've used that service myself. He's very responsive, super sweet, does a great job. He also has funny and weird little things, clever stuff. He's so funny. He's so funny. You know, if you yeah. if you chat with him in and the DPPs. So even just going to the site, libertygear.net to just read the little slogans and stuff will brighten your day. And we know that's what he is all about. So if you don't want to buy anything, don't worry about it. Just check out the store. If you do want to buy something, get 10% off with the promo code propaganda, all lowercase. So, and even if you want to just get something that's a souvenir of these crazy times we're living in, he is, uh, he's definitely Definitely one of us. We love LibertyGear.net, so go check that out. And if you forget, you can always go to thepropreport.com, hit the shop button. You can find our a link to get our merch there, and then you can find a link to all of our sponsors. So that includes LibertyGear.net. Also, uh, I think for today, if people want to, it's probably a good day to join Rockfin. If you haven't joined Rockfin already, what's the latest? What's the video that just dropped yesterday? We try to drop what an hour every Thursday. Yeah, we just tons and tons of exclusive videos, free stuff. But like the deep dives that keep Binkley up all night long, pulling clips and then producing the show. That is a Thursday drop. The latest one is the is part two of our series on creeping fascism, how the the corporate they're trying to usher in fascism via corporations, dominate the world via corporations. And we go through some deconstruction of some very interesting comments about about how to do that. 
And boy, it could not be more timely with 100 CEOs signing off on how they want to influence voting law. And then there was an article in the journal today, hat tip to Joanne for sending that my way about how these CEOs are ushering in the fifth great awakening yeah. in America. I mean, they, yeah, they talk shaping behavioral norms via through corporations using that to control behavior is it's crazy. And it stuff. made me think there's that, there's that expression. I think they said it was Sinclair Lewis, but I'm not sure where fascism will come to America wrapped in a flag and holding a Bible. Yeah. Like it, it's totally not. It's, it's to use Byron's expression. Fascism will come flanked by method activists on the one hand and globalist CEOs on the other. It's not going to be that hard to see yep. that coalition that brought in probably communism and fascism alike. So I think the Rockman video shows them kind of plotting with the biggest smiles on their faces. Like, Very happy with themselves. That's what freaks me out. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's at rockfin.com slash propaganda report. And if you do join Rockfin, let me know if you want to be a patron saint, because uh, I'll take off almost the entire cost of Rockfin if you want to be the mo- the highest premium tier. And you could go to the DPP tonight. So keep that in mind. If you're confused, just shoot me an email at the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com. And I will try to get to that before the show tonight, which is at 8 p.m. Eastern. So. If you join Patreon, you will not hear these sponsorship ads, shout outs, or even our own shout outs anymore. Although I think they're, they can be kind of interesting, but whatever. Valuable information in there sometimes. Yep. But you will get 45 minutes of uninterrupted drive time news blast for basically every weekday. And if we do take a day off, we always put something else up in the pl- in its place. We have been called, and I think it is correct, the most, the best value of a subscription service of Patreon. I think it's true. So. Without further ado, let's get on with the last story of the Free 30. Binkley? I went undercover last night. (laughs) Yes, you did. To an indivisible activist training. (laughs) It was called Moving the Media. It was the Big Truths Call with the Truth Brigade. Many of you might not know, I'm a member of the Truth Brigade through Indivisible. (laughs) Big Snaps, Big Snaps. Thank you. And Big Snaps is exactly what they did during the training. (laughs) Whenever somebody said something, they'd come back to the moderator and they'd go, snap, snap, snaps. and, And we'd get these big, stupid snaps. But... These things are always interesting, and this is the first one where actually I jumped on a Zoom call with them, and... I was a little paranoid at first because I didn't want my camera to turn on. I feel like they can just tell by looking at me that I'm not one of them. <laughs> yes, yes. I think they might, especially I'm not a, I'm not a female like, in my late 40s who... I was having a blood clot. It's, it, <laughs> your, your t-shirts would give you away. Like, yeah, totally. My, yeah, I'm wearing Make like, Liberty Great, like stuff yeah, like that. No, no, no. I'd be like, you get out of here, you spy. Plus, you're... Uh, you're not a I'm clearly uh, not in their demographic. Yeah, you're not uh, yeah, wearing like a you're not a simp, whatever. Right. Yeah. I don't have a, a 
ball gag in my mouth. You're just so a though. white guy. <laughs> right. They, they, would all be, guy. they would all scoff at me when they saw bad, me. Bad, bad white guy. So here's what we, we covered. And I'll tell you a few things interesting that I, I noticed is we covered the best disinformation practices. Um, hashtag cons- hashtags to use concerns over some of the hashtags uh, the true sandwich which we've talked about before but of the best of countering disinformation tactics they gave i'll give you a quick rundown of what those are they said no clicks or comments on the bad guys so people on the right were referred to as the bad guys the entire time <laughs> No, don't don't retweet the bad guys. And this goes to what one of the other Rockfin videos we did where Ajit Mon, the narrative warfare strategist, said, don't repeat the enemy's message, co-opt the message and reframe it. And so that's what they were speaking to there. And they go on to say, if you name it, then you spread it. Yes, journalists need to learn this as well. So if you name it, then you spread it. So don't repeat the language of the adversary. Wow. Yeah. And they say your message must be authentic, which is strange because they tell them exactly what messages to say. <laughs> they really do. And, and the que- all the questions oh, at the so end of the, of the training is, what were the messages I'm supposed to say again? I mean, that. Wow. Yeah. So make it authentic. Well, say what we tell you. In that SPARS document, it says they agreed on the three messages and then they reached out to these predetermined people. Yeah. These um, social media platforms. And yeah, so they agreed on the three messages in advance. Like that is very important. That has to be, I mean, not that we didn't, we we observe this as our entire show is us observing propaganda in action. We see it, we report on it, but it is, it is funny when something we've talked about so many times is actually laid out as a specific tactic. So when you hear messaging like shot in the arm or get the jab or you know, you just hear so often the same actual phrasing over and over again for whatever it is they want to get into your head. Yeah. It is it is it is express expressly their their tactic to do. Yeah, they control the, the way the framing, the language, everything, and they try to make them think that that. I don't know. They blind them to the fact that they're literally puppets. They make them think that it comes from within them somehow. I don't know when they send them scripts. But then it goes on to say, don't argue, expose motives of the bad actor. So now we're calling the other side a bad actor. And we're also saying that we're going to know their motives and we're going to expose their real motives. Don't ever listen to what they say and try a true sandwich. A true sandwich. Now, the true sandwich, for those of we used to talk about true sandwiches, was George Lakoff and Brian Stelter, host of Reliable Sources, most unreliable source on TV, used to promote a lot. And the true sandwich starts with the truth. So the first frame gets you the advantage. So when they say start with the truth, they mean start with their lie. And then after you start with the truth, you indicate what the lie from the other side is, but you avoid amplifying the specific language if possible. So here's our truth. Here is what's wrong with their truth and why it's a lie. And then you return back to your truth and you repeat it. So this repetition, which drills it in the unconscious mind when you surround people with that message, that's what the point of the truth sandwich is there. And they really emphasize offline truth sandwiching. So they are trying to (laughs) truth brigade team is teaching offline persuasion tactics, dealing with members and they're using the truth sandwich technique. That's the most common way to amplify their messages and then they talk about the use of facebook 
TikTok, which is a really an emerging, not emerging, it's actually a really powerful propaganda uh, engine that's being used right now. And the hashtag Truth Brigade is what they want you to tag all your posts with. And I thought it was funny because a discussion emerged about how when people would search the hashtag Truth Brigade, they would find that there would be members of the bad guys who have co-opted and are spreading bad messages through hashtag truth brigade. And I was like, wow, that's funny. So you can mess with these people by tweeting hashtag truth brigade. If anybody wants to have a little bit of fun, although you you will probably get into, there'll probably be an army of little indivisible trolls that come mess with you if you do that. But one of the interesting factors besides the chats, the chat group was really interesting because they actually, they absolutely live in a separate world where they have a completely see a different America than people on the other side or that most people see. They had a whole conversation about how there is no bias against the right online or in the news. There is no there is no leftist media that's biased against the right. There are no right right wingers are not getting censored. And so they're showing all these graphs while making this point, but they're not giving any context to the graphs. They're not telling them what right wing is. They're not defining any of the definitions. It's just pure propaganda using pictures saying, no, no, we're the ones that are oppressed all the time. They're all lying to you. And then they go on to say this. This is my favorite part of the training because of what it implies. They want you to Talk to the media, right? One of the ways to find out about a problematic group and to, to so you can stop it, it, like the Proud Boys, maybe they instruct them to talk to the media who cite the problematic groups, but never go talk to the problematic groups themselves. So talk to the people smearing the groups in order <laughs> to learn about the groups. This is how you inoculate people from reality. The- this is definitely a subgroup. I've seen you've you've shown me enough of these clips to know that by the time they're sitting through those meetings, they are true believers. And Absolutely. I don't know how they get rid of hecklers and stuff, but I guess just because it's so small, the group. But by the time you get into that like inner circle, it's not an inner circle, but it's just a it's a Kool-Aid smoking. Yeah, circle. definitely. There's 90 sure. people in this training. Yeah, very interesting. Well, hopefully we'll hear a little bit more about that. If there's any uh, any more details, we can talk about them in the patron 15. But first, I wanted to offer a few shout outs. I want to say thanks to Claire, Keith and David, our newest patrons. Hopefully you can join us for the DPP tonight. Uh, Cody has a shout out for get this. This is so sweet. I would like to send a shout out to Deborah and Adam from Deborah Gets Red Pilled. Uh, I think it's a very unique podcast in that it communicates a thought process from birth, discovery, humility, through to truth and restarting that cycle. It is a microcosm of what the nation and humanity should practice every day. I agree. It's been, it's been said that it is best to work through a problem in front of an audience from beginning to end so that the audience understands not only the solution, but also also the process thanks and much love cody Isn't i'd like great? to comment on that yeah that sh- i'd like to give a shout out to that shout out hey <laughs> cody just the uh-huh. other day i was thinking about solutions and stuff and i was thinking about deborah gets red pill and i was like well there, that's one solution is everybody on the planet or at least half the people have to start a version of deborah gets red pill to red pill the person in their life and have guests come on and, and that those one-on-one conversations presenting information it's a it's a fantastic idea 
Yeah, I've always thought that. I've always thought it's best to just start at the beginning and work it through. And I feel like my own red pilledness happening while I was on the air. So when I started working at WSB in like 2011, 2012, I would say 9-11 is not an inside job. And then as I saw the Boston Marathon bombing, when the fa- the scales fell off my eyes in 2013, like I was I was cracking the code on MH370. I was like yeah. on the air. I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You know, and I think people... People were following along. I just can't and imagine you saying 9-11 is not an inside job. I can't even picture that. I know. And my, Brett, <laughs> I had a big listener, Brett, who would call and just like, I don't understand how you cannot see the truth of 9-11. And I would say, I don't believe they would do that. I just don't believe it. And then when I saw a Boston Marathon bombing that they did and they lied about it, they were like, who are these guys? I'm like, who are these guys? They're in your terrorist watch list. They're a mile away. This guy went to a CIA training school. What do you mean, who are these guys? <laughs> hey, you guys been lying. <laughs> <laughs> that was the moment. Yeah. Just like, there were a lot of people following along. I can yeah, tell yeah. you that. <laughs> So that was a good one. But anyway, I've got lots of fun stuff. We have lots of fun stuff to talk to talk about in the page from 15. All right. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every time we post a DMB, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report or go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report and you can sign up there. We will talk to you guys next week or in the page from 15 or tonight at the DPP. Have a fantastic rest of your day. 